Hello and welcome back to Energy Sport as we begin a new season of podcasting about the football ahead. I am Graham Sinclair and I am currently in my Alan McGregor mode where I was supposed to have my swan song last year but I'm back for another year because I just can't let it go. Alongside me today, we're going to <laughs> we're going to preview the Scottish Premiership season today, try and get as many teams in it as possible, ask you a number of questions about the teams, about the players, about the managers. And to do that with me, I have the new head of Energy Sport, Angus McGregor. How are you doing, Angus? Yeah, doing not too bad. Um, looking forward to the season. Um, yeah, kicking off on Saturday, not too much time to go on now. Obviously, as a Livingston fan, you know, not too sure what to expect, but... Mildly optimistic. I'm not sure if I should be, but I'm pretty sure we're going to get uh, we're going to dive right into that as we go on. But yeah, how, how are you doing yourself, Graham? It's interesting. The first game we've got between each other is it's between each other Livingston against Rangers, our two teams, which feels very apt considering we're the ones doing the podcast today. I am excited though. Like it's, I feel like this has been like the first proper break of football we've had since like I don't know, like 2019 like almost at the start of that. I wouldn't count the COVID break because they couldn't do anything. This is the first time we've had like a normal football off season of the right length in ages. And it's got me more excited for the season to start. And I'm honestly, I'm ready to get into it already. Do you want to start the preview? Yeah, absolutely. Um yeah. Uh, so we're gonna just gonna go through a number of questions being Angus thought of would cover most of the league and cover a variety of different topics. Some more formal ones, some maybe a bit sillier, but the first one's pretty obvious, Angus. Who's going to win the league? And why? Well, obviously, we've got such a host of teams who, you know, can't take <laughs> the title, um, as, as every season shows, but I think for, you know, obviously we've been thinking of doing like a preview for this uh, over the past week and I keep on humming and hawing over who I think will win it I'm going to disappoint you Graham and I'm going to say that Celtic are going to make it two in a row um, I know they like to keep a count on you know how many titles they win every two every two seconds but yeah I'm I'm going to stick with Celtic and I think the main thing that I'm coming to with Celtic over uh, over yourselves over Rangers is that um how used to each other that team will be um, this season. Obviously, last season, you know, there was so much turmoil. And, you know, I may be con- contradicting myself here. Nobody would have expected them to, you know, have turned it around um, so rapidly with all those new signings. I think with a season under their belt, a pre-season, um, Ange Postacoglu will probably be able to get, you know, really what he expects from his side uh, out of them this season. With Rangers, they're, they're not in the same position as Celtic were last season. But I think there's a few more question marks over, you know, a lot of the players who, you know, Rangers have brought in. Um, they have signed quality players who we know, like John Souter. Can he stay fit, though? Um, there's a question mark over that. And a couple of other new signings as well. Um, Tom Lawrence, how will he take to, to it up here? Um, uh, uh, Bernabé at left-back, will he be able to force Barisic out? I'm pretty sure he... Um, Barisic is at the Celtic season. We've got Yilmaz, remember? Oh, yeah, get, sorry, right. mixing them yeah, up. Both teams got left-backs, I understand. Both teams got new left-backs. Um, oh, that's, that's quite a blunder to be putting for already. Oh, well. Nobody, nobody cares about the two old firm teams, it's exactly. fine. We're, we're, here for, we're here for the Diddy stuff anyway, don't worry. Um, but yeah, um, do you think that's like a fair assessment, Graham? Um, well, obviously, how I've mentioned about how Celtic last season were the ones who you know had to bring a whole bunch of other players mm-hmm. in to, you know, to fit their squad. 
Um, is it fair that I'm saying that about Rangers this year? Yeah, I think it's fair about Rangers, and I think you're right. Celtic, I think, rightly are the favourites for the title because of the reasons you mentioned about the stability of the squad and really just a faith in Ange Postecoglou as a manager. He came in and set the world on fire for Celtic. And I think the rebuild, Celtic fans have kind of overdone how big the rebuild was. He had a lot of money, but there is no denying that he turned them around after a horrible 2021 campaign. And I think they should actually get better this season. I look at the signings they've made so far this summer. I don't think it's amazing. Like they've basically signed the players we had on loan, plus a couple of squad depth options. But what I would expect would be to see the January signings, the Hitate, Maida, O'Reilly, and even going as far back as Kyogo and Juranovic, who kind of had injury-hit campaigns last season. I think those kind of five players are going to be crucial for Celtic. And I think that if they're going to make a leap it's going to be because those five players are going to look exceptional and, and you have to remember they've not lost since September in the league the last time they lost was away to your team at the Ammonville on the 21st Bloody. of September so like that. and then moving over to Rangers I'm going to go with Rangers to win the league I feel like I have to go with Rangers to win the league also you know what made it just, just to, so we have a difference of opinion and I agree with you that they have more players to bed in but they do still have the fundamentals of the squad that sit and settled down. They still have Tavernier as captain. They, they still have Goldson, who they've kept. Lundstrom, who came on to a game. You've got Kamara. You've got Kent. And you've got Morelos, even though Morelos is injured to start the season. You've still got that spine and some of the key players in the team there. And what the difference is for Rangers, that I think is going to be a good thing, is that Van Bronckhurst, of course, came in at, at the halfway point of the season. And it's hard to get across their ideas so so quickly and like get a team to change especially a team that had a very strict and defined playstyle under Steven Gerrard he had his own ideas but with all the games he had it's hard to get that now he's had a pre-season he's had a pre-season where Ben Bronkhorst has had his time to get his ideas across more to get his fingers wider to get his fullbacks underlapping to press more to play it from the back quicker and with more bravery and I think that will have a huge benefit for Rangers in the long run I think something as well that I would maybe add on to uh, my perhaps concerns with Ranger is is come the January transfer window, I know there's a couple of key players who you know are in their final year of their contract. Is there fears that you know there's going to be in January a couple of players will be moved on to, you know to get some money for them? I believe Morelos in the last year of his contract, Ryan Kent as well. Mm-hmm. Is that something as well that could possibly be something that plagues you, uh, you know, following Christmas that? you know, key players leave and again you're at this stage where you're having to quickly bed in new ones for them to take over from them. It's definitely a concern, but I think Van Bronckhorst came out with Rangers in an open training session earlier in the week and he said he was very confident about Morello signing the contract. Managers really wouldn't do that. I think Kent is more of a concern. There's really been nothing about Ryan Kent signing the contract. It was more about Joe Reaver before we sold him and the potential him signing the contract. You heard nothing about Kent. But the reality of it is he's undroppable. He's a prof- he's a professional so I expect that his performance levels won't drop and I don't think that Giovanni was going to want to drop him from the team because he's such a crucial part of the team and how they play going forward so I don't think it will cause worry I think for the day and age where contracts tend to run out a bit people tend to run out their contracts a lot more than they used to and so teams have learned to deal with it so that's not too bad yeah, fair enough. And, you know, if Rangers are to, you know, to be able to turn it around and, you know, to get the league title back, who who do you see as being the main players who are going to 
you know, to turn the tide in the favour of, you know, the blue side of Glasgow. Well, you read all the, one, the ones I've said, all the spine to performance levels they have performed at before. I think who I'd expect to step up, I would expect Barisic to have a better season. He's looked really good in pre-season. And I honestly never thought he was fit last year. He wasn't very good. But I, I did never thought he was fit. He had a lingering back issue last summer. And I'm not, I'm not really sure he ever got over that. And then you're looking at the signings. I'm really excited by the prospect of Rabi Matondo, I think. He's absolutely rapid. I'm excited by Malik Tillman from Bayern Munich. I think he could be an excellent player. I, think I really look at him. He's very physical, very good on the ball. And I think that Ben Davis should be somebody that might not be European level of Calvin Bassey, but should be able to replicate his form in the, the league because he's a good ball playing centre back. He can get the ball over the top of the def- other, other, other defence and he's got good recovery pace. So that they would be the thing, one of the ones I would kind of signal out. Although I would say, for me, one of the reasons I have Rangers is I just kind of look back at the last two seasons. The favourites would be Rangers last year and Celtic won, and the season before Celtic won, were the favourites and Rangers won the league. I just think the pressure can sometimes get to, to the favourite. Do you think that's possible with Celtic and something that you think could be their downfall if they are to have one? Possibly so, um, but everything that I've seen under Postacoglu so far, it seems very very focused. You know, they have a they have a task in hand, they have an idea of how they want to play, and they've executed it tremendously well. You look at it last season. You know the only like the last time they lost was what did you say September there? Mm-hmm. That's absolutely incredible. You know to go that long a a season without losing a match. Obviously they dropped points early on, but you know the fact that they had such stellar form from onwards on, um, you know made it so that they didn't lack it up. Um, and I think from there, like they did go into the lead, uh, you know following Christmas at the top of the table, um. And I think the pressure would have been on them, you know, from there. So I think that is a fair indicator of, you know, how they have coped of that. Mm-hmm. I think as well, though, um, a key point of that maybe is that yourselves were on such a European run and you obviously had one eye, obviously, on that as well as league. Maybe that was something that, you know, had played easily into uh, the favour of Celtic. They'll have Champions League football. It'll be interesting to see how they balance that. I think, I think if anything, that may be one of the bigger issues is that Postecoglou may prioritise, you know, trying to go, trying to get them outside, out of the Champions League group stages, um, you know, to try and make up for quite, quite poor European showings yeah. in recent years. Well, you're talking about since Neil Lennon was in charge that, you know, they've been fairly underwhelming. Um, obviously, I think a lot of people are going to be bringing up the fact that Celtic, you know, had more points than Rangers in the group stages last year. But, you know, you've got to beat the teams in your group. Um, but I think that'll be an interesting uh, indicator to see how they balance that and if any points are dropped in those moments um, when it, you know they're playing either Tuesday, Wednesday, Saturday or Sunday. Um, yeah, I think that'll be the most interesting aspect of it um, in terms of you know the pressure rather than uh, you know the expectancy of being favourites. Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty clear from our conversation. We both think it's going to be a close title at least, race at least. Don't expect one team to dominate it. Exactly. The, the reality is that Celtic and Rangers are going to dominate the rest of the league. And as we kind of move down the league, I want to ask you, Angus, would you say Hearts are the only option really to finish third and best of the rest in the Scottish Premiership this season? Yeah, looking at it right now, I really don't see anything other than Hearts finishing there. Um, last season, they were head and shoulders above everybody else. You had Celtic Rangers parts and then a big massive gap where you kind of realistically fourth to 
I'd say fourth to tenth could probably beat each other. St Johnston eleventh on their day could you know pull up a uh, a shock, but uh, Dundee were just absolutely hopeless. But yeah, Hearts had done enough to you know showcase themselves as being a very strong, consistent side um, that you know every other team in the league just did not have. Um, and I think this season it'll probably be the same due to you know the signings that they've made. Uh, obviously losing John Suter is a bit of a blow. Um, but you know they've coped without him before. You obviously he's had quite an extensive injury record. Um, I'm I would feel that they're quite confident. You know with the players that they've got at the helm that they can you know get on without him. Um, obviously losing a player of his quality is going to be a, an issue all the time. But it's more of the attacking uh, personnel that they've brought in that is really exciting me. Obviously being a Livingston fan uh, on our Top Levy podcast, it was made perfectly clear that my favourite player was Alan Forrest. Sadly, he's, you know, joined Craig Halkett and breaking my heart and leaving the Tony Mac to go to Tynecastle. But I'm really, really excited to see uh, how he gets on. Forrest, for us, last season was head and shoulders our best attacking player. I know Bruce Anderson got more goals, but in terms of excitement, Forrest was by far the best um, going forward for us. And I think in a team like Hearts, where, you know, they're going to have a lot more of the ball, um, there's a lot more kind of threats as well in the Hearts team that like players aren't going to be like, doubling up on for us at every opportunity now. I'm really, really excited to see uh, how he gets on there. And to be fair, I guess, I mean, if we're going to be putting out shouts there, I'm going to tip Alan Forrest to be making the Scotland squad by the end of the season, Graham. Oh, how about wow. that? Okay, okay, that is bold. That's what you want during the whole Very podcast. Bold. You want bold shouts coming across. In terms of Hearts, unfortunately, I won't be bold. I'll, I'll be aligning with you and I think they will be third place. I've tried hard to convince myself that maybe it won't happen. I looked at the stats. I did see an interesting one that only Rangers in like the last 20 years have finished third in consecutive seasons, so I was maybe thinking all that. Of course, they've got European football that will be in guaranteed group stage football, and sometimes with the Scotland, these Scottish league teams don't have the squad depth to compete on both fronts. I also don't think they've actually replaced John Suter yet as a kind of right side centre back. They've got Kai Rolls in, but he's left sided and he's not going to start to take Stephen Kingsley's place. I think Halkett needs to play uh, in the middle. In the middle, yeah. yeah so for sure. uh, uh, that's my concerns, but ultimately I just think their score is far stronger than any of the teams below them. They only. I can't really see any of the teams below. I think there's a whole, there's lots of question marks amongst the other sides that I really don't have my heart. They are going to be good, at least. So, unfor- I wish we could have a bit of a disagreement there, but unfortunately we don't. Uh, let's move on to the other side of the table then. Who's going down, Angus? I think for me, when we're thinking about this, it's come between two teams... And they both start with Saint. I have written down Battle of the Saints. There you go. That's if Sky had any clue, that is what they'd be marketing. You know, the relegation battle for this season is. Um, seen a lot of people tipping one side to go down. As you know, I've seen unanimously throughout like Twitter and that. I think I'm going to go with the other one though, and I think that Saint Mirren are okay. going to be a team who finishes dead last. I have Saint John. So I have Saint Johnson in this regard. So it's good we have a bit of a disagreement. Why do you have St. Men below St. Johnston? So, every season, I see St. Mirren fans be very, very optimistic and say, oh, yeah, this is it. This is the year we're going to finish top six. Never, ever happens. This season is the first since they've came up, I think, that I've seen pessimism from the St. Mirren support. And 
if even they're not confident about it, they've always, you know, obviously Tony Fitzpatrick was one of the player, uh, was one of the people who would always uh, champion their top six hopes. I'm not seeing any of that, so that makes me think that you know things are quite bad there. I'm also going to have another fairly decent shout here. I think Stephen Robinson will be the first manager sacked from the Scottish Premiership this season. I don't really see anything within that side that you know kind of excites me or thinks that they're going to be properly safe. They're relying on Curtis Main as a striker still. I don't know if that's part of the old pals act with uh, Stephen Robinson because I think there's a few ex-Mongerwell players he's now got there. Obviously, they didn't have a great Premier Sports Cup run either. I'm not quite sure why I'm tipping St Johnston to uh, to finish above them. I don't know if it's maybe the the decade plus of you know success that they've had that I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt that you know they'll do something to manage to get themselves uh, themselves out of the rut. They managed to do it last year when they looked dead and buried. They managed to you know pull themselves out of it. So. Yeah, I think for St Mirren, things look a wee bit bleaker uh, than they do for St Johnston at the moment. Yeah, so I don't disagree with the idea that St Mirren will struggle. I think the Saint, both Saints teams have a lot of the same ideas as to why people think they'll be at the bottom. If they both recruited really poorly, I would say so far this season. I don't really look at the names. Don't really look at the names on either side and think there's any great signings. There's been lots of kind of players that are play past their best or names I've never really heard of. They've lost a lot of players. I look at St Johnston and they've lost Rooney, McCart, Clark, Hendry. St Mirren have lost Connor Rowan, Connor McCarthy, and they had obviously Jamie McGrath in January. So there's lots of players missing that I just don't think either of them have really replaced. For me, St Johnston have just lost more, and they're coming from a position that they were washed out of. Like they were washing St Mirren like before, so like, they were starting from a lower ceiling, and they've probably lost more. So I thought, and they'll be washed. I just don't see where, where the hell are St Johnston going to get their goals from. They had 24 goals last <laughs> season, I think it was, which is nine, nine less than team of the 11th most goals. I think it was Dundee, probably. And they've lost Middleton and Hendry and Chris Kane injured. So where the, where the hell are the goals coming from? I just It seems like a terribly managed club since they've won that cup double. And for me, it's going to lead to... A poor struggling season for St Johnston, where eleventh might actually be the best hope they can have. I think with St Johnston as well, you look at that team and just what what is the plan for the future? You look at some of the players they've brought in, you know, Jamie Murphy and stuff like that. Like players who back in their heyday were all right, but I mean, it's a running joke now on like Twitter and that you know it's like the St Johnston retirement home. You know, mm-hmm. I think they must have. I think I've seen a stat that said something that they've got quite comfortably like the oldest like average like age in their squad and um, i'm pretty sure i've seen that on twitter somewhere and uh, correct me if i'm wrong but yeah like you would imagine that st johnston's hopes would be you know using like their youth setup using you know the lower leagues and getting players and bringing them up through but it seems to be very much like a ragtag like gang who's been assembled here and it could very well be their downfall or in another way looking at it that experience that these players have could be what uh, they need to, you know, take themselves out of this rut. Experienced pros, veterans, um, people who know the game, know the Scottish game very well. Um, I know that's a very old school way of looking at it, but who knows? Um, they may have end up getting like their heads screwed on. Mm-hmm. I do think that I don't think Chris Kane is by any means a striker who's going to completely turn around their uh, problems, but I think he's a very hard working player for a team at that end of the league. Um, and I think that he was a miss last season uh, due to his injury. 
Um, again, is he going to score? You know, ten plus goals, probably not. But I think that work creating that, then the create the openings that you would create for other players, um, is something that you know maybe what a team like St Johnson needs to you know just pip submitting and going into eleventh uh, place. But I mean, I think by the looks of things, um, most people seem to be picking these two sides. Um, so if anything, if they get anything above that, I think both sides will be happy. To be honest, is there any side that you can see? We've both said it'll be the battle of the Saints. Is there another team that you would kind of think they will really struggle and could get done into this battle? To be fair, see how we just talked about Hearts being you know the best team in like third place. Mm-hmm. I think you're looking maybe bar maybe bar Aberdeen and Dundee United. I don't think it's completely out the realm of possibility that anybody else could be dragged into it. Yeah, I don't it. think there's, don't think there's a huge amount that you know separates the rest of the teams in the league. I think Hibs are probably one that people will be like, oh no, like they're far too good to go down, but they've not shown it. I think Hibs will will be safe and comfortably so, but I guess there are still question marks over you know are they much better than you know a Kilmarnock or a Ross County or a Livingston. I think, you know, those three teams that I've mentioned there, Kelly, Ross County and Levy, could easily be, you know, hovering around that tenth position. Um I would imagine that all three of them should be particularly safe. I think, you know, the managers at both Kelly and County seem to be doing great wonders there. McInnes, you know, he knows the league, he knows how to grind out results. Mackay took uh, Ross County up to the top six last year. And Levy, you know, would just seem to, you know, defy odds and, you know, manage to get that extra ten percent out of players, but yeah, I guess if anybody, those three teams, I think most people would be looking at. Yeah, I think I'm once again, I think I'm with you. I think those, I can't see it. Being, I think it'll be those two, the two cents at the bottom. But anyone from fourth, fifth down could realistically get drawn into it. It's just a few things go wrong. I've got a couple of teams and things I maybe mention about that later on in one of our questions. Okay, we've talked about teams. Let's move on to a player-related question, though. Good. I want to know who you think is going to be the Scottish Premiership Player of the Season. Oof, Player of the Season. Mm-hmm. Again, this usually goes down to, you know, I think who ends up winning the league and who, you know, has like the most kind of contributions that can, you know, sway it into their favour. I think, I've obviously picked Celtic to win the league. And based off of his contributions last season and, you know, how much of an injury plagued year he had, considering he still ended up, you know, Premiership top goal scorer, I find it hard to look beyond Kyogo Furuhashi at Celtic. That's fair. I think, you know, big big game player, you know, he scored valuable goals for them, you know, obviously a cup double against uh, Hibs um, to win the League Cup last season. I think, you know, with a full pre-season under his belt, I think there's more to see from him. Um, and of course, you know, if you're the striker for the team who ends up winning the league, you know, you've, you're already getting a great chance of uh, of winning the player of the season. So, yeah, I think uh, I'll go with that. But, yeah, uh, you're looking at both old firm sides and, you know, there are plenty of candidates from it. I'm assuming, I'm assuming you'll be going for somebody from yeah. uh, your half of the time. Well, I, I, put, I put down five names here that I think could do. I did both sides of the old firm, and I've got a question afterwards about outside the top two who's going to be the best player. So we will get that covered. But yeah, because I have Rangers in the league, you know, James Tavernier's never won the player of the year in the Scottish Premiership. I find I kind of find that amazing considering the numbers they put up. I feel like if Rangers. Who, who won it? Uh, who won it when you won the league? I believe it was Alan McGregor won it. Which I think, which I think was, 
a disgrace, and he basically won it because he had a good game against Celtic in, in the New Year derby. But I'm pretty sure Tavernier has never won it. He might have won a different award, but I don't really remember that um, it, like a notable one. But with the numbers you have, Rangers get back to their best and are winning the league. Tav's going to be putting up numbers. He's the captain. He'll be, I think he's going to sign a new contract soon. The narrative is there, and you always you always did a little bit of a narrative to win awards like that. So my pick would probably be Tavernier, just simply because he's probably Rangers' best player who's never won it, and it'll just be kind of like he's due his moment. Outside of that, I did have I did have great depth written down that Jota for Celtic and Ryan Kent for Rangers are probably the two most talented players in the league. So I have to bring them into the conversation. I think they have the most skill, the most flair, the most creativity. I would probably lean towards Jota in that regard. I think he's got more of an end product than Ryan Kent. Uh, but I think both of those players, if they just click for a full season, there's no one that's going to be better than them in the league, I don't think. And then the last one was both Celtic players. I think both Rio Hotate and Dan O'Reilly are going to be exceptional. I mentioned already that I think the January Celtic Centre are going to take a leap, and I think both those guys will be like right up there. I think they both have shown that they're absolutely crucial in Celtic's second half form of the season. So creative, so dynamic, so... <laughs> such a good runners of the ball O'Reilly in particular I think it's going to be moving off from Celtic very very soon to a big club in England and it wouldn't surprise me to see one of those two winning it so that, I'll go with Tavernier but I think there's a number of options depending on who wins the league I find, I find that interesting that the two Celtic midfielders you've mentioned haven't included Cal McGregor obviously did that's he not sim- win that, that's, yeah, that's simply he won it last year I don't think you like you win the award two years in a row unless essentially you could be this you have the same season couldn't you and be the best player in the league but you have to do better than you did the season before I think to win it two years in a row and I just don't think Cal McGregor's going to do that so that's why I wouldn't have to I do think Cal McGregor's probably the best player in Scotland I'll stop at that out there yeah that's fair and they may end up just going for somebody you know who has a wee bit more of a, a more of a highlight package, I guess I'll say. Yeah. You know, not saying that Callum McGregor's not a glamorous player, but you know, somebody who'll get you know a boatload of goals. But again, you know, you're looking at the players like Simarellos and that as well. There's absolutely no reason as to why somebody like them couldn't have you know a barnstorming season. But I guess you know, obviously we've covered you know the players from the old firm here, Graham. If you had to have you know a, a shout of you know kind of the best of the rest, who who do you see sticking out from? teams within the rest of the league. So I was tempted to be lured by some of the new signings for teams, but I find that I think don't that ever that really happens when a player comes in and in their first season they're the best player in the league or the best player outside the old firm in the league. So I think you have to look towards in terms of existing players. And unfortunately for most of the time that's defenders and goalkeepers. I still think Craig Gordon will be incredible for Hearts. He was Hearts best player last year. In a good season. I still think Stephen Kingsley will be good for Hearts. He's the set piece delivery in particular. I look at Dundee United and think Charlie McGrew had a great season last year. I still think he's got the legs in him. And it's kind of that level. I tried to, I've tried to find go a bit left field. It's a bold prediction. And I have the name I have down here, and you might laugh at this one. I think there's a big season, there's a potential for a big season for Kyle Lafferty to come on it. He was, okay. he was excellent. In the season they went down, he just came in too late. I, I imagine that if Kelly had him for the full season, they probably would have stayed up. Plus, a good goalkeeper, Sean McGill, haha. Uh, <laughs> and then, of course, he went back to them last season. He, he was reduced again in the championship. I still think he's, got, he's a great player, offers such a physical threat. And I think if Kelly stay up, Kalafra will be a huge part of that. And like I say, that's narrative. You, you always need a narrative with these people. Uh, 
when they were like we talking about having a good season, so it's kind of laugh. So with Gordon, it was Gordon had the most saves in the league last year. Kingsley had this, had the most free kicks. But Lafferty, it'll be always kept Kelly up. So that's kind of what I've always put two things together. So that would go like Matt Bowles would be Kyle Lafferty. If I throw it back to you, what kind of names would you have? Uh, yeah, I obviously stuck my neck on the line for Alan Forrest earlier, but I'll, I'll pick another one as well that I will go for Anthony Stewart of Aberdeen, uh, a new signing, um, central defender. He's been, he must have really impressed already as he's been made, you know, captain of the club. Aberdeen are not going to be nearly as bad as last season, and I think with Jude Good, uh, Jim Goodwin, what he gets from his side most of the time is that you know they can be quite hard to break down. I think Aberdeen are going to get you know a lot of clean sheets this season. Um, their defence is going to be a lot better than it has been in past years. Um, and I think you know people are going to look at that. They're going to look at you know who's been like the most uh, persistent performer there, and you know it's going to be Stuart. Um, and I think he's somebody you know who could have a great season here, and will gain a lot of plaudits um, for that reason. Um, and they've went through the Premier Sports campaign there so far without conceding a goal, albeit you know they've had you know they played Rafe, Sterling, Dumbarton, and Peterhead. Maybe not the greatest of all positions, but you know he's somebody who you know could maybe you know help turn the fortunes around and you know you talk about narratives Aberdeen going from 10th if they were to manage you know to get European football mm-hmm. you know it could be seen as you know Stuart being the leader who's you know dragging them back to you know where they believe they belong Um yeah I think that'll be an interesting one to keep an eye on yeah we'll do a table at the end of this show just kind of like what we think and I think based on just these early conversations you read a bit through the tea leaves that we're both quite high in Aberdeen to have a bit of a bounce back season this season you did you did, you did put the narrative in there switching switching back to a team based question because I want to know who do you think is going to be the most exciting slash intriguing team in the Scottish Premiership this season it could, be for, it could be for any reason you want. It could be for patter. It could be for how they'll play on the pitch. It can just be for like how interesting the players are. Just what for for you? What kind of team would you go for when you think of who would be the most? I mean, as soon as you said for patter, my mind was made up, and mm-hmm. it can only be Hibs. Yeah, it can only. I be mean, him. the it's the content, everything that they've provided so far, you know, from. From losing to Falkirk, from uh, bemoaning the Premier Sports Cup and like seeing how it's like an absolute shambles, you know, moaning about no fourth officials, then getting your own admin errors incorrect, to then like having to forfeit a game three 0 against Morton to then put you out of the cup. They've already given so much to us in such a little time that I'm just so excited to see. If I had to pick one team to do, you know, the Amazon all or nothing like season, I think it's got to be Hibs for this year. I think that would be absolutely tremendous. Um, yeah, Hibs. What like I know they've always been, you know, kind of a team who everybody pokes fun at uh, in Scottish football, and it's for good reason to be fair. They don't help themselves with a lot of things, um, and I think that this season's going to be no different. Who knows what to expect from them? You know, you look at that Premier Sports Camp, uh, Cup campaign, you know absolutely awful um, for a team of Hibs' size. Lee Johnson uh, is that his name? Yes, Lee Johnson. That is Lee Johnson. It's, 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 for some reason that doesn't sound like I, I, It sounds like a name that's just like so generic and like, it can be randomly yeah. generated. It's like, that can't be his name. Honestly, it's just like a regen manager on like, <laughs> Football Manager, Lee Johnson. 
Um, yeah, he's already you know piping up about like certain things, and you know if they have like a bad start to the season, I know they have Hearts on what I believe is the second day. You know they have St Johnson on the opening day, who you know they had a great history of struggling against. Things could go sour very very quickly. You know Hibs might be quick to you know to sack another manager. Maloney didn't get much time. Yeah, Hibs. Yeah, there's just so much to look forward to. See, I, see, I had Hibs, I, and I, I mentioned that you might know the pitch stuff's already from your guarantee part, but doing reading about Hibs, I, I am excited to see what they produce on the pitch as well. I mean, Lee Johnson has said that he wants to play exciting football regardless, and attacking football regardless of the opposition that he's going to play. The Hibs way. The Hibs, the Hibs way, which is, seems like a lot the of teams way. have the the so and so way and yet they I love I love how Livy have the Livy way in it. You're going to see it in prime on Saturday. It's just <laughs> nineteen people behind the ball. No, we're only allowed eleven, but that's how many we're going to put there. <laughs> yeah, but if if Hibs get clicking with their attacking football, there'll be times I imagine this season, like I know it's Clyde after the Clyde game, Hibs fans are like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, we're going to have an amazing season. But there will be times in the league where they probably absolutely hammer Sunday. And it's going to be incredibly entertaining to watch. But on the other side, they'll be absolutely terrible. They might, if they're going to go for Rangers or Celtic, they might lose like 7 0 at some point. So they've got both sides of the spectrum to play with there to look forward to. There's something for everybody. Added on to that, they've got lots of new signings, lots of new signings, and that's one of the best parts about a new season. See how the new signings do. They've got a couple of centre, centre forwards, they've got a couple of midfielders, they've got defenders probably not done so I'm with you on Hibs I did break down another team because of I thought you might go for Hibs to be honest with you and my honourable mention was Ross County and it's quite simple with Ross County I, I think Ross County are fascinating because they essentially have a an entirely new team from last season they have lost Joseph Hungbo Regan Charles Cook and Blair Spittle who are probably their three best players and have replaced them with about 13 new signs by the likes of things. Most of them, I don't know any of them anything about, to be honest with you. They're from under 23s. There's a couple from Canada. There's a couple of free transfers from the lower leagues of England. It's just interesting when a team essentially changes their entire personnel. It's just the, the unknown is what excites me about Ross County. And I think they're one of these teams that could be anywhere from like fourth or fifth to bottom of the league. So, what, what, what would you make of Ross County's? prospects this season yeah I completely agree with you I think there's just so much questions over you know what are these new signings going to be like Reagan Charles Cook obviously last season top goal scorer in the league I think it was what 13 goals I believe only one of them was a penalty are Ross County realistically going to have a player who's going to bang in over 10 goals probably not no. I think you add in like Joseph Hungbo and Blair Spittle's goal contributions as well it's a lot of goals for a team like Ross County to you know, try and replace uh, quite quickly. Um, so it does really rely on these youngsters coming up. Um, you know, there is two sides to players who come up from, you know, like the England, like reserves under 23 league. You know, like the Hungbo was on loan from Watford, I believe, and he was absolutely tremendous. Livy had, you know, Caleb Chukwemeka last year, who was absolutely hopeless. So it really does depend on, you know, the personnel that they get. I think... Ross County fans will be uh, they'll be confident that Malky Mackay can get the best out of these players. Although you know some people are still uh, very much not too sure uh, if he should be you know managing at this level at this point in time. But there's no denying uh, you know the job that he did last season and yeah, how well he set up that Ross County team. It's kind of the um, idea. It's kind of the idea that 
Yes, there's a lot of change in the team. Malcolm McKay is a good manager, so you expect Ross County to have a degree of quality. That's kind of my thinking about the situation. Yeah, 100%. So I think, yeah, we're just going to have to wait and see. Again, you might have all these players, uh, even if they don't hit the ground running, you know, they could be shipped off again and then in January a whole bunch of new other ones could come in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, a big massive question mark. And, you know, Ross County are quite a likeable side. I think they've got that underdog kind of status to them mm-hmm. as well that everybody kind of appreciates. Um, a tough place to go away from home, as uh, some teams have seen in recent years. Um, yeah, I think uh, they're worth keeping an eye on because I think they're another team who you know managed to punch above their weight consistently. Um, whether or not they can do so this season is yet to be seen as well, though. Fair enough. Uh, we've had the most exciting team there. It's just an easy enough transition to the most exciting transfer of the season so far, Angus. I want to know which player has got your juices flowing, which name has got your juices flowing, and you're most excited to see apply their trade for a new team this season. I mean, I would always kind of, with this one, I would go for a player from my own team. And as of like a week ago, (laughs) as of like up to like a week ago, that wasn't looking promising. Um, In all honesty, the signings that Livingston had made this year, um, they were not uh, getting me too excited, I'll say the least. Um, I am not impressed by Ishma Kinshalves just yet. Know, former Hearts and St Mirren player, he has arrived at Livingston quite clearly carrying a bit of extra weight. He's been sent off already. I think it's a good contender for flop of the season. I think I would put you know money on that, to be honest with you as well. A couple of other players, you know, nothing to get too excited about. However, we have, and you know, probably for only you know, like the second time in like Livingston's history, we've actually paid like a fee for a player rather than, you know, just development ones. And we brought in Shamal George from Colchester. Um, you know, it's very unlike Livingston to part money. Apparently, it's a deal that could rise to about 100000 which is absolutely mental to think of Livingston paying money for players these days. Um, but, you know, big six-foot-six goalkeeper in the Premier Sports Cup, our biggest uh, mm-hmm. weakness was it, in goals, it, I'll say. It is good to get a keeper, I think, that doesn't knee people in the face. That's something I would recommend. Yeah, we've got a goalkeeper who doesn't do Triple H impressions on the pitch with high knees. Um, I'm happy to see it. Well, to be fair, he's not played the game yet. Um, so maybe amazing, this opening day... It's this... amazing on Saturday, it's the first minute he just like takes out Ryan Kemp <laughs> with like, switching music. <laughs> opening day of the season, Shamal George gets sent off. Uh, his first game into a four-year deal <laughs> by <laughs> clotheslining Ryan Kent. Oh, who knows? Oh, now you said that, I'm terrified for Saturday again. But yeah, I, I'll remain positive, you know. For Livingston, I mean, this is this is quite a stat, Graham. I think it's Livingston have had a different number one in the opening game of the season for I think about the last eight years. That is a great um, So hopefully, you know, with Shamal George signing and, you know, having like a long contract, hopefully he's good enough that, you know, he'll be around for next season. Um, but again... Who knows with Livingston, this always happens. Um, but yeah, I've got to say, I'm excited to see you know, this behemoth of a man uh, in goals for us. I mean, if anybody knows Callum Brown, who does the top levy stuff, uh, who works for the club, doing like all the commentary that, I think he's about six foot four, and Samal George is absolutely towering over him. So yeah, very excited to see him. Um, are you going to go with a new signing for your team, Graham, or See, is somebody I've, I've else? I've got a couple, but since you've done it, I may as well go for somebody on my own team. I already mentioned them. I think 
the most exciting play Rangers have signed. I'm not sure it would be the best one, but it's Rabbi Maton from Schalke. He's paying about two and a half million for him. And quite simply, he's absolutely rapid. He was like the fastest player at Man City when he was 18 years old. Moved to Schalke for £11 million. Didn't really work out for him. Schalke seemed to be happy to get rid of him. But he had a good spell in Belgium last year. And I think he comes to Rangers with a whole bag of potential. And he's still only 21. So he'll probably be frustrating. A frustrating player that seems as though he can struggle a bit with the end product. But it seems like a kind of player that once, if it gets going, you'll be what a fan's favourite very quickly. So... Rabbit Matondo is the Rangers player I'm most excited for. It's nice to be able to talk about signs. I'm not really disappointed in any of the signs Rangers have made. I think they can all contribute in some form or another. So it's been good. Matondo would be the pick of the bunch. We should probably mention some other teams apart from our own, though. Is there a player from another side that you think has potential to do something quite special? Eh... Uh... I think I'm going to go for Aberdeen on this. Oh, actually, I've hmm. got I've got Aberdeen, but I've got the Budapest boys. I've called them down at Aberdeen. <laughs> Aberdeen Does apparently... that include a certain Bojan Miowski? Yeah, because apparently they spent around seven hundred and fifty thousand pounds on, which is a huge kind of fee for a Scottish Premiership yeah, team. Yeah, for a Scottish Premiership outside the top two. So yeah, I had and apparently Yibar Ramdani, the holding midfielder, has also looked very good in pre-season so far. So I had I did have yeah. the Budapest boys down. It's a new look, Gabardine, isn't it? Really, I've, we've got them mentioned, but they've like they've changed the recruitment process. They've got rid of a lot of, de- a lot of dead weight. They're used to kind of sign from Scotland, in like lower leagues England, but it's this time they've got a player from Benfica B. They've got a couple of players from Budapest. They'll have a couple of players from the lower league England sides, and of course they've got Liam Skills and loan from Celtic. But the recruitment has clearly shifted to a different kind of format and I, th- I agree with you that they'll be good players. I, I do love that you know, you've know you got all these like foreign names and that in there. You've got all these exotic players coming in and Johnny Hayes is still just sitting there on the <laughs> left wing. Um, I can only imagine the conversations he's having with some of these new lads but yeah, uh, I'm I'm fully aboard, you know, getting on the the Budapest boys uh, bandwagon. Um, Bojan Miosky, if you said they've spent money on him, I think that's the thing for Aberdeen. You know, they've not been shy in backing Jim Goodwin and you know spending some money this season. Um, I think you know, surely one of them will um, will be a hit. Christian Ramirez was a hit last season, despite you know rumours of him not wanting to be there. Miosky's came in and. and He's bumped his number nine shirt off of him already, which I was quite surprised at. So surely he's going to be meaning business. Um, I guess another player that I would maybe go to is I'm very intrigued to see what the experience of Stephen Fletcher brings to that Dundee United side. Mm-hmm. Um, Stephen Fletcher's always been a very good player. Um, you know he was Scotland internationalist. He's played for you know Marseille, Sunderland, Wolves, Burnley. Um, obviously he's getting to the tail end of his career but I still feel like he can do a job uh, for a team in the Premiership and I think for Dundee United that he will do that um, I'm excited to see you know what that partnership with him and Tony Watt can do um, you know as a big target man um, he will use that experience that he can you know get behind defenders and create a lot of chances maybe won't be scoring an awful lot of goals himself but you know if he can create opportunities for many more um, Dundee United fans will be uh, very very pleased with that um, so yeah, I think Stephen Fletcher literally has the legs for like the intensity uh, of the league so far. Um, will be yet to be seen, but yeah, definitely want to keep an eye on for sure. As, as I'm happy you mentioned Stephen Fletcher. It's been an easy segue on to our next one, which is breakout star because I'm sticking with Dundee United in this. I think that the breakout star of the Scottish 
premise of this year could be Ross Graham, of course. Like he's a 21-year-old centre-back. He, had a few, <laughs> he kind of had a half-break out last year, played quite a lot. I think this mm-hmm. season, I, I talk about a break out I potentially see from him, is that he could be, become a star. He could get like Lewis Ferguson money for him for the end of the season. Maybe Calvin Ram- the Calvin Ramsey route. That's what I kind of like to see from Ross Graham coming up with summer. He's only 21 years old, and I think he's shown all the potential to be a top centre-back in the Premiership this season. What about yourself? What kind of breakout stars do you see in the league? Um, Ross Graham would be one I would like to say as well. Um, I think you know he's a Scottish youth internationalist, left-sided centre half. Uh, you know that you know Scotland could always do with that with you know Kieran Tierney's injury issues. Who knows? Maybe a solid season there. You could see him starting to be on the fringes of like that's uh, of the national team squad if he keeps on progressing the way he is. You've seen like so like Craig Alkett and that end up getting into the squad. So there's no reason that you know if Dundee United have a good season if they were somehow to make it through in the Europa League. Um, or the Europa Conference League, sorry. Um, there's no reason as to why somebody like that couldn't uh, end up being into that squad, as you're saying, attracting interest in that as well. Breakthrough, breakthrough players. So I'm trying to think of some of the other teams. I'm trying to so, keep it away from... You okay, know, I've got a couple of different names. I, I'm trying to mention as much teams as possible, and I've actually not mentioned your team yet, and I haven't seen him in action oh. for a little bit. I think there's a potential for Joe Newbley to have a great season for Livingston. Mm. It's, I, I went to the Inverness League Cup game on a bit of a scouting mission basically <laughs> didn't, didn't have anything to do on a Tuesday or Wednesday Re- evening reporting to the, the honchos that I brought uh, exactly that's exactly what it was <laughs> but oh, I thought Joe Nobley had so many nice touches so much flair to his game if he can just get any sort of end product I think he'll be golden for Levy this season you probably know a bit more about him what kind of threat what kind of season do you expect Joe Nobley to have I think if we are going to do anything in this league this year, Joel Newbley will be the biggest attacking output of that. Um, obviously losing Alan Forrest a massive loss. Mm-hmm. Newbley will be huge for us and, you know, picking the ball up deep and, you know, getting us so far up the park, whether that's even just winning throw-ins and corners uh, deep in the opposition's half, Newbley is going to be a massive factor for us. Him and Nicky Devon on that right-hand side, I think it's going to be very clear that that's uh, our stronger side of the two. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though James Pennice on the left is very good, Devlin's our captain and probably been our most consistent player over like the last two seasons. Newbley as well just has an absolute quality ability to you know beat players. Um, and yeah, he's done absolutely everything in a Livingston shirt so far, other than scored a goal himself. Uh, so hopefully you know that hoodoo will be uh, broken very soon. But yeah, he's already picked up a number of assists. You know, he's not a player that a lot of teams will be you know looking forward to coming up against. Um, because he is so strong and he's so fast as well. Uh, he makes players look silly. I mean, even I think we got beat off the Celtic three one last year, but he didn't give you know them a moment's peace. And there was times you know he was getting in behind, and yeah, he's going to be absolutely crucial for us. Everybody knows what he did for our broth last season, and yeah, hopefully um, for us he will be recreating that. Um, yeah, I think he's somebody to be excited for. He's a player who you know excites fans in that as well because of you know how silky is. You look at him, you know, but like six foot three, you shouldn't be thinking a player should be moving around like that with the silky touches and everything. But yeah, he's one that Livingston fans in particular will be really looking forward to seeing uh, get on more so this season. Um, yeah. The, the last, uh, the last I'm, player I'm, I had down, I had three other players listening down. Graham, who I mentioned, Jonah play. The last player I have mentioned was uh, Kerr McInroy, who has moved on a free transfer to Kelly from Celtic. 
on loan at Air last year, which I'm sure will make Jack Donnelly, old editor of Energy Sport, very, very disappointed and very sad. But he's done, <laughs> done very well in the world. He was the player's best player last season, a terrific box-to-box midfielder. And you, and you know that if they've been at Celtic Rangers, there's they have a degree of technical quality about him. It's just can he make the breakthrough in the top of the and Kermak and Norway? He's done it in the lower leagues. What can he do for Kelly and Derek McInnes? Do you know much about Kermak and Norway and have any expectations for him? I'd be lying if I said I knew anything about him. To be honest just, with Graham, um, I've watched him. I've watched him a couple of times. He just works so hard, runs so well. He's got good. A nice passing range, and he can provide a goal threat. Although he's not going to score tons of goals, I just think if Kelly are to have a good season, I think Kerr McEnroy having like kind of a breakout season in Scottish football will be one of the main reasons why. Although he's went down a step from Celtic to Kelly, I don't think this is the level. I think he has a level to go to, and could end up at a bigger team than Kilmarnock in the near future. So there are the the that's three names I floated out. You, you kind of mentioned you had Graham as well. You had a couple of other players you kind of able to talk about. So we've mentioned enough names that we can probably move on, and it's back to another team-based question. We've only got a few questions left, Angus. And I want to know this time who you think is going to be the most improved team in the league. I mean, kind of this might be one that for me you can kind of work. I can kind of work out based on the conversation already. But let's hear it from your mouth. Yeah, like it's, it's got to be Aberdeen. Mm-hmm. Like they finished tenth last season, absolutely disastrous. Yeah, it's improvement um, just by the sheer fact that they were so bad last year. It can't get any worse. You think, really, yeah. isn't it? That... Right, like I don't see Aberdeen not finishing in the top half this season. Uh, anything above tenth is going to be like. There, there's no way that they're going to finish, you know, around that kind of level again last year. Um, you know, they've made too many changes in that entire team. But again. I guess we're looking at this point last season as well, at the start of the year, we're looking at Stephen Glass and the signings that he'd made, Scott Brown was in the door, and we were saying, oh, it couldn't, it can't get worse than what they were last season, and it somehow did. I would be very confident that the same isn't going to happen this year, mm-hmm. though, and would say that, you know, they're going to be, you know, up towards that top half, rather than, you know, where they were shockingly so last year. But, yeah, other than that, obviously because there is so many question marks over, like, the rest of the teams, and, you know, to be fair, still over Aberdeen as well, I think, yeah, they've got to be like the nailed-on kind of choice for most improved. Yeah, I, I'm with you. There's a couple of other reasons, I think. Obviously, you mentioned the recruitment. They've lost Fergus, Lewis Ferguson and they lost Cameron Ramsey, who are hard players to replace. But I think in Conor Barron in centre midfield, unfortunately, he's injured at the moment, but he should be back fairly soon. I think he's due for, due for a great season. It could, it could be the kind of next big Aberdeen youngster that just plays tons of times and then gets a move elsewhere. They've recruited really well, and as I mentioned earlier, they've managed to get rid of a lot of dead weight. You haven't, you won't see David Bates and Declan Gallagher, Scott Brown. I'm sorry, obviously I don't have the highest opinion of Scott Brown being a Rangers fan. He was <laughs> past it when he went to Aberdeen. He should never have went to Aberdeen. Aberdeen signed an old man who's past his best, and that was never going to go that well from a player's perspective. But they've replaced and they've brought in players of a younger age. Uh, Luis Lopez and Ben Phillips, twenty-two. Mayowski, as you mentioned earlier, twenty-three. Hayden, uh, Jaden Richardson from uh, Forest, 21. So they've got a new profile of player. And I think that with the new kind of squad, it's almost settled. Jim Gibbon will have more of a plan than Stephen Glass did, but I'm not really ever, not really ever sure had him like a set plan and fundamental way of playing with this. You know Jim Gibbon from St Mirren is going to be very stubborn, very disciplined, 
and they, they might not score many goals, but they also won't concede many goals. So for me, I'm with you. I think there's only really one answer here. It's Aberdeen is the most improved team this season. Do you think that, obviously we've mentioned there about, I'm, personally, I'm not entirely sold on Jim Goodman yet, and you've mentioned there about you know how they might not be the most attacking side. Do you think Aberdeen fans are going to be like appreciative of that? I think they can be another team at times, you know, who the Aberdeen they way. want them to play us exactly. They want them to play a specific style rather than you know kind of getting like the proper results in that. Do you think Goodwin could very easily fall into the trap that you know McInnes did, where it's you know negative football, even though results are coming in, it's not beautiful to watch. It's not nice to watch, and it's against the Aberdeen ways. You know, we've mentioned it. I hate that saying, man. I, I really keep saying it. It's very funny. <laughs> Honestly, the way the way that teams in Scotland talk about oh, like we play like the nice attractive way, not really anybody in Scotland plays that. Two nice teams to be with fair. the most money playing everyone else just <laughs> exactly. We do close. what we can. We do what we can. Um, being a Livingston fan, obviously, we get tarnished with like the brush of you know being like anti football. But I don't ever look at us and be like we're getting absolutely played off the park by anybody. Yeah. But going back to talking about Aberdeen and Jim Goodwin, do you think that is a possibility um, that could see them maybe That's... grow? Restless. I think you have to take it with so with Derek McInnes they, they did get annoyed at his football style of play but that was off the back of Aberdeen being a third like, the consistent third place side for a number of years and it's like, oh, we don't just want third we want to get third playing decent football but as you've already mentioned they finished 10th last year so I think this season all Jim Goodwin needs to do is improve results and if he improves results then maybe next season it's like oh now improve the style of play but I think this season Aberdeen are more the fans will be more willing to just play a bit kind of boring kind of ugly football as long as it gets them the results and moves them up the table and I think Jim Goodwin is the kind of manager that can get the result, results for you so that's what I would say about Jim Goodwin I, I'm not with you I, don't, I can with you that I'm not sure he's that great a manager I think for what Aberdeen need at the moment he's a solid option so. yeah that's fair enough and um, I guess that could we could move on to you know hardest manager's job uh, within the league right now Graham, I have I have two in mind. I've got one that I think is like the logical answer, and then like the one that I feel like, uh, based off of current like events and that, I would go for. What one would you prefer well, first? It's funny because the manager that I have the hardest manager's job is also goes hand in hand with the team that I think have been regressed the most this season, and that's my namesake, young Graham Alexander at Motherwell Football Club. I mean, we've already saw it. They lost to Sligo last week. They're probably gonna lose to Sligo Sligo this week. <laughs> I think they're genuinely losing to them I mean, right now. I, I know they are, but I just wanted to not date the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> they are losing, losing one now to Sligo, so they come back fair enough. <laughs> but Jesus, I watched the game last Thursday, and I just don't see where Motherwell are going to... I just don't see Motherwell doing anything really this season. They looked terrible. They had absolutely no burst, no pace, no flair about their team. They've made three signs so far. They made Paul McGinn... Blair Spittle and Josh Morris. Blair Spittle's okay. We talked about it earlier. Did a good job at Ross County. Paul McGinn is fine. But if Paul McGinn's your marquee signing, then ugh, that's not very good. And I watched Josh Morris. He's come from Salford City. And he's the most, maybe the most one-footed player I've seen play a game of football in a long time. He's left-footed <laughs> and he just flat-out refused. To use the box. More, use more one footed than yourself. No, I've got, I'm two footed these days because I haven't watched in a while. So, yeah, just I look at that and I think of this one and how they finished 2022 or how they finished last season and how they started this season. They've had three wins so far in 2022. 
it's and the, there's already a lot of pressure on Alexander from the Europa League Conference League. It's going to be hard for him to win them back. So I would have to name Alexander's manager. It's the hardest manager's job, and Motherwell is a team I think is going to regress the most. Yeah, the one based off of current affairs, Graham, was Graham Alexander, mm-hmm. uh, for exactly the reasons you've mentioned. If they go out to Sligo Rovers, Norwell fans are not going to be happy. Norwell fans are already not too content with Alexander, as you mentioned. That run um, last season was absolutely dreadful. They've managed to sneak into Europe through some absolutely disgraceful defending from Livingston in the last 30 seconds of a game. Um, but enough on that, because I will get sad. Um, but yeah, Norwell... There's, I don't see an awful lot to be excited by them this season. Liam Kelly can only do so much in the goal. Uh, and then when he's got Bevis McGabby selling them short with uh, headers like he did against Sligo Rovers, then there's nothing they can really do. Um, but yeah, for Motherwell, it's not an awful lot of optimism from there. You know, a team who finished in the top six, they think they finished fifth last season. I don't really think that anybody's been overly positive about them. Um, and I think rightfully so, because as you mentioned, you know, the players that they have, you know, Paul McGinn's sure a solid player, but it's not an exciting one. It's not really going to take them to that next level. Um, but yeah, I think them going out of, you know, if they go out of the Europa Conference League, who knows if they actually will. Um, you know, it's still got about 70 minutes in the game, I believe. Um, yeah, things will look bleak for them. Who's The who, one, though, who, Graham. Who, who, was the other, who was the other one? Well, the hardest manager's job in the league. It's surely got to be the manager with the lowest budget in the league. So I, I, he was my other one as well. We were lined in that one too. Uh, so it's got to be David Martindale, mm-hmm. uh, Livingston, because, you know, playing against teams with, you know, superior finances and that, it always should be, you know, we always should be the team who is least prepared or least set up. Um, he's also not got, you know, that kind of managerial uh, football background, uh, a different kind of background that, you know, some would say is controversial. Uh, <laughs> But, yeah, I think you, you've got to tip your hat off to Martindale because, you know, each season Livingston, you know, continue to punch above their weight, always have the lowest wage budget in the league. You know, we were talking about it just there. You know, Livingston have finally, like, paid money over, like, the four years for, like, 100000 for Chanel George. You just mentioned that Rangers will be playing someday on the wing who's $2.2 million, which is, I think, double what Livingston's uh, wage bill for the year will be. Um so, like, those kind of things sometimes maybe get forgotten when talking about Livy and, you know, the way that they set up and stuff like that. But it has to be understood that that is in the means of, you know, how we have to go through the process. We can't go out and go gun-toting because we simply don't have the, like, the capabilities to do that. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, definitely us. And then, obviously, I guess you've got to throw Malcolm McKay in there as well because, you know, Ross County will have probably the second lowest budget Um attracting players to go up north and that as well will be difficult you know Dingwall is a very small place um, you know keeping players uh, focused in that around that area or like having them living in the central belt and going through that travelling scheme it is a lot for a manager to maintain so yeah I think you've got to give hmm. Malcolm McKay a shout there as well it's a, it's a league with a lot of tough jobs I mean I, I think you could name a number of other people too I mean there's Jack Ross at Dundee United is he going to have to is he going to, we mentioned it with McInnes, is he going to be expected to kind of alter Dundee United style a little bit? Because under Tam Coach and Mickey Mellon, they've played horrible football. They can't get much more boring. They can't get much more boring. So is the onus on Jack Ross to have a more exciting product? And could that end up as a result, as a result having a poorer like final point, 
fewer points on the board and actually looks what may look better on the pitch, but it looks worse on the numbers, which obviously is what really matters. Callum David should be mentioned, St Johnston, just how horrible a summer it's been for them. And I also think that Derek McInnes, we've mentioned him a lot in the last five minutes, is going to have a tough job. And I look at that Kelly squad and think it's quite a good squad. And I think McInnes, oh, McInnes has had good runs as managers. But they, in a championship last season, that, let me be honest, I watched quite a lot of it, was a terrible standard. And they only got up as champions with a 90th minute winner against Arbroath in the second last game of the season. So maybe there's expectations for Derek McInnes that probably aren't warranted in the Kelly have a bad start to the season. How big is the pressure on McInnes going to be? So yeah, I think where McInnes you're looking at it is mainly you know the reputation that precedes him and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Whether this Kilmarnock side is the same you know team that he was able to uh, conjure up at Aberdeen, I think you look at that Aberdeen team when he took over. It was a very talented squad. You had young players coming through like Ryan Jack as well as experienced players like Johnny Hayes and like Adam Rooney and that. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see if that blend is still there. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you say, yeah, there's plenty of jobs in here that you know look to analyse. And Lee Johnson at Hibs, that you know, there's obviously things on his back already. Robin Nielsen, to be fair as well, you know, Hearts fans can be mm-hmm. like, he's literally just signed a contract. You can imagine if Hearts going a wee bad run, they're going to be they're going to be saying, oh, like we shouldn't have waited to, uh, we shouldn't have given him a contract so uh, uh, before the season started. Now look at us, so. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting things that could very well yeah, happen. I guess, I guess before we move on to the next one, it's basically, is there any manager that's not under pressure to deliver and doesn't have a hard job? I mean, Rangers and Celtic are obviously going to do well in the league, but if Rangers and Celtic lose one game or draw one game, yeah, the, so really, I'm not sure there's a team, Lee Johnson's already under pressure. I think Martindale actually, he loves the hardest job. Martindale might be the most secure manager in the league. Yeah, looking at it. Mar- Martindale and Mackay, looking at it, you know, see if they get anything... See if they get ten for above, mm-hmm. the fans will all be delighted. To be fair, um, there is the pressure. If they comfortably stay up, then there is no problem whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. I think so, even though it could be, you know, based off of on paper, it could be the hardest job because of you know finances and what. It could also be mm-hmm. the one that's you know, the less like stress on their back. Exactly. If kind of moving on to, we've got only got a couple left before we do our tables. I want to know, Angus what you think is going to be the most intriguing storyline in the Scottish Premiership this season and this could be anything you want it could be silly, it could be serious have you got a most think, intriguing story? I think last season one of the funniest parts was nobody wanting to finish in that final European spot mm-hmm. and I think we could have an even bigger version of that this season which I think would be hilarious to see just nobody you know, putting their foot forward to you know finishing those uh, those final areas of the table and the European uh, places in the table um, try to think of something a wee bit more silly I kind of had something so I had what I called like the mush in the middle essentially the fact that between like 4th and 10th any of those teams could just finish anywhere there's so little between them at least early on in the season before we know exactly what it is about some of the players they've signed and how the squads are going to gel just seems to be so little between them that as we mentioned it wouldn't be a surprise to see Aberdeen 10th or 4th Ross County in 10th or 4th it's just kind of I think that's going to be a fascinating thing to watch and to see as the season develops which teams just kind of start if you start well is that basically going to mean your top 6 like that's what happened with Dundee United and Motherwell last season they essentially started well and that bottom top 6 is that going to be the same case this year yeah um you're looking at that, I think that's one of the things that has always done Livingston. If Livingston literally won 
an earlier game in, in at the start of the season before we went on, you know, a good run in the middle and then quite pants again at the end. Um, it would have seen us through. But yeah, when you're talking about Motherwell, you know, like it's like three wins, um, you know, following Christmas or whatever. Um, and that wasn't enough to get them through the European football. Um, yeah, I think it's very interesting to see uh, who will actually end up in there. I think there's a couple of teams that are kind of, you know, you're putting Hearts and possibly Aberdeen like ahead of the rest. But the rest of them, uh, you know, you don't know what to expect from them. So that probably is the most intriguing part. The title race is going to be great this season, I think, though, like how tight that's going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we had a wee bit of a title race last season. Um, I won where it's going to be properly neck-to-neck. Need, I could, it could need, very need, easily need, go down to the end of the season. We need a helicopter Sunday at some point, don't we? It's been too long since we've had them. Oh, yeah, there's full-on full drama, you know. Um, yeah, title I, race is going to be one that's going to be... I had written down, can any player score more than 13 goals this season? <laughs> because, of course, last season, historically low number. That wasn't historically low for goals, I'm not sure. Maybe it was across the board, but in terms of individual numbers, Megan Charles to get 13 goals was the top goal scorer, which is incredibly low. Is is that is that something that you think is a one-off, or do you think that's just kind of the way football's going, that it's more balanced across teams who scores the goals? I think... Something that has to be taken up into salt there as well is that, you know, Rangers had, basically all their strikers had an injury at one mm-hmm. point. I think Celtic were kind of the same as well. Jack and Marcus didn't get fit for a while. Uh, Kyogo was gone for a bit. Uh, Maida uh, as well, missing key parts of the season. I think if all, like, those players had played for longer, then you would have seen a lot more. Um, but across the rest of the board, you know, where you've seen most of the goals coming from, I think, you know, It'll be interesting to see what Hearts are like Lawrence Shankland. I would back him to get more than 10 goals a season, especially, you know, forking out money for them. Dundee United following about the partnership of uh, Fletcher and Watt. Even at Livy, who Bruce Anderson had a good last season. Um, he also got, he was also somebody who suffered due to an injury. So he missed like the last like seven games. So he probably could have uh, improved his tally as well. I think there is a lot of players who, you know, you could be expecting to, you know, get into those double figures. I think one that you kind of briefly touched on, Graham, was, you know, where does St Johnston goals come from? Will St Johnston score more than 30 goals this season? That's That could be an interesting one. <laughs> True. More than 20 goals, to be honest, would be based on last season. <laughs> Double figures. <laughs> mm-hmm. but you wanted a silly one, so I'll move on. The last question can essentially be something silly. And I'll this is called, I call this the extra, which is kind of like the, obviously the off the pitch or not football, like directly goals, like stats, players, how you going to be good related. What's going to be like something fun? And I, last year we were all very wholesome. It was, oh, seeing fans back in football stadiums, how lovely is that going to be? And no, we're done with that. So the extra I'm most looking forward to, Angus, is having a World Cup in winter and Oof. then returning with the video assistant referee. I can't see this going well at all. I think it's going to be chaos. It's going to be carnage. You're going to be, this team are paying off refs. This team are paying <laughs> off referees. We get no decisions. This is awful. It's going to be fucking amazing. That is, how I, much are you looking forward to that? The meltdown. It's it's going to be something else. I mean, there's enough paranoid Scottish football fans out there already. Never mind, you know, having clear evidence of, like, offsides and that. Um, like I can only imagine, like the Celtic and Rangers stars on Twitter, you know, realigning the lines and that. Oh, to, like, to try and, like, some, base... guy, some guy, some guy in front of his TV, but like a ruler saying, "Oh, I... 
I think it's, it's going to be so many. Obviously, we, 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 we all love like, talking about the, like, how much silly stuff happens in the Scottish football. And I think VR is just going to produce so much silly content that. The thing is, about, like, you, you know there's going to be a game that Rangers or Celtic are going to get about five penalties as well. And, like, the VAR is going to be like, they all are penalties. The meltdown from that will be hilarious to see. Yeah, because they will just be, oh, like, what, what is this about? Like, <laughs> they're clearly, uh, no, is there going to be, is there going to be accusations of CGI use, you know, <laughs> players that, like, <laughs> they've been practicing the week before, you know, they've hired in actors and green screens and that to, you know, to make a situation look different. Um, what what I think will be funny about VAR as well, Graham, where are all these teams going to put them in the stadiums? So you've been to Livingston quite a lot of time. Where on earth are we going to put a screen in that stadium? I know we've got that bit in the hill, like where people watch in the hill. Is that where it's going to go? But uh, where's the screen going to go in the last They actually have like the screen. To, I thought they'd just have like the TV essentially. Not like that. going to have like the VAR and process. They'll have like the Tannoy guys or that. They wouldn't actually have like screen. Is that a requirement? They don't have to have like actual big screens up saying there's a VAR decision going on. I, I thought they would have just to you know to to inform the fans. But even with that, Graham. Even if they just have like the screen, you know, a pitch side at Livingston's tiny. True. You're going to have a referee running down like the tunnel, and then you know there's going to be further accusations it's of great. dodginess when so you can't see the referee. The most ten pot VAR use in, like, in the world. It's going to be amazing. Honestly, the referee's going to have to leave Livy Stadium, nip to the Parry Lamp, and check the decision, and then come back. The Parry Lamp is that local pub in Livingston that's in the shopping centre. Just give some context for that uh, it's most famous for its google review of rougher than a badger's arse so <laughs> they were that way you'd like <laughs> is there anything else kind of off the pitch or kind of thing that you're looking forward to it could be something that ha- actually has happened like before and just looking to continue uh, i wonder what your lot are going to fall out with this season you've obviously just made up with the bbc mm-hmm. you had the cinch fiascos last year let's see who you follow it with this season? There's always going to be there's always going to be something new. Um, is there any early tips that you would like to pick Graham for that? I'm feeling very feel good about good pals with the BBC. Could it be Sky Sports? <laughs> Sky, could, could Rangers going to become the bastion of Scottish football? When Sky Sports disappoint, will Rangers take offence to them, and Rangers become the <laughs> heroes of Scottish football? Could that happen? I mean, anything can happen. It's Imagine Scottish the, Premiership. Rangers becoming the good guys. So that's what's going to happen. That's what I predict. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing would surprise me more. I'll be honest with you. The good thing about it, to be honest with you, is with Scottish football is that you kind of can't predict what silly stuff's going to happen. There's always something amazing and new that you've never seen before, whether it's like a dog pooed in the pitch or something, something like this. That's just, that's, I, that's the beauty I'm pretty sure, Graham. See if see if I'm correct. I think uh, so. I listened to last season's uh, season preview, and there was a wee topic that was like this. Do you remember what you said? I don't. Uh, um, so this is probably as bold a claim as you can say. I don't know which one it was, but it was one of the Dundee sides, and you had predicted for uh, one of them to go in administration. Do you think there's anything? <laughs> <laughs> do you think there's any risk? <laughs> you think that there's any risk of that happening this year? <laughs> <laughs> no, I did not remember that. Uh, look, let me let me get this. what teams are in this league. Any administration teams? <laughs> oh no, but Rangers have the Europa League final. Rangers would have went and busted it wasn't for the Europa League final. 
Uh, St Johnston are going to go bust. That's that's my prediction. <laughs> St Johnston, rather than be relegated, they'll just go bust and they'll just claim that. Uh, St Johnston are going to they're going to survive on the final day, but then they're going to get relegated to the third division. How about that? Exactly. That's exactly what they're going to do. That's a good spot. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's get back. Let's finish off. We have kind of said it throughout the episode. Predict table predictions, Angus, and um, we're gonna go from twelfth to first. Won't it won't take too long. Uh, we'll go from tw- we'll, your tw- your twelve, my twelve, and the most content at the bottom. Maybe like a wee description and conversation with everyone, but not for long. So, which team do you have in twelfth position? We've already mentioned it, but we may as well go through it again. In twelfth, yeah, as we were talking about earlier, I have Saint Mirren. And I have St Johnston as previously discussed. Is it just Rose Reverse for eleventh? Is I have St Johnston eleventh. Yeah, that's good. So that's uh, now we have now it's a bit more open until we get back to the league t- to th- third. So which team do you have in tenth? Give me a description why as well. Ten. I'm going with Kilmarnock. So you went with Kilmarnock just because of the newly promoted side. Is that it really kind of not convinced? I think so. I think I'm not entirely sure what to expect from them. And as you mentioned, you know. Sneaking through like the campaign last year, the second last day of the season, and um, hopefully that's not upset Sean too much. Um, you know they're avoiding relegation, and mm-hmm. um, I think they would be fine with that for their first season. But I had a uh, Motherwell in tenth. I guess from what I've seen of the squad and the manager, it doesn't look like it's going to be a fun start to the season. I think he predicted them to finish tenth in the last season. They finished in the top six. Still feel it the same way. If I'm proved wrong, proved wrong. But I'm sticking to my guns. Oh, but ninth. Uh, that's where I have Mullerwell. And that's where um, I have just... Kilmarnock, so we've just flipped. <laughs> oh, tremendous. We're just going to be flip-flopping the whole way through this, I, I tried to Maybe I tried to be a bit more ambitious here. I'm a bit more, I think it'll be a bit different. Geez. Who's in eighth place? Eighth, I have Ross County. Ross County, okay. Why Ross County? Is it something uh, I just feel... I feel like the, the goals that they'll be missing this season will be too hard to replicate. I think they should be fine. But I think, you know, missing, uh, you know, I don't see them recapturing uh, what they'll have from uh, Regan Charles Cook uh, leaving. But I still think they'll be in for a solid season. Mm-hmm. I, I had uh, your boys, Livingston. I'll be honest with you, when I did it earlier on in the week, I had just lower, I had just like 10th or 11th. And we kind of had a conversation and it was a bit like, oh, you've, you've, the squad's been retained. There's lots of like continuity from last season, which is something you haven't really had. So I bumped you up. I didn't bump you up too much. So, I think for me as well with Livingston, you know, we didn't have we we made it through in the Premier Sports Cup. Um, and I think the fact that we did that and a few others did not gives me a wee bit more optimism. Um, and saying that though, I've got us in seventh. Uh, it's only one okay. position higher than you. So this is probably my boldest call of the. I have done the United theatre. Was I feel feel like for most people they'll be in the top five. They were in the mm-hmm. top. They obviously were last year as well. And I just look at them and think that. They haven't really improved. Something that's not meant. They've lost their best players. Dundee United. They went to Celt- Benji Seagrass, of course, to go into Celtic to be their backup goalie. They don't really have a holding midfield. They haven't placed Jandro Fuchs. They've got two strikers in Fletcher and Watt, but they have no good white. They have no real threat on the wings either. And I'm not sure Jack Ross is a good manager. Didn't really do a good. People have <laughs> fancy be like, oh, what's the story, Jack Ross? But he probably deserved to be sacked when he was. So I have Dundee United in seventh. Would you have in sixth? In sixth, I went with Hibs. Then this um, is, okay, there you go. I think um, they should be all right. 
Um, whether that's under Lee Johnson or not, I would maybe lean towards not under Lee Johnson. I think they could turn it around. Um, again, Hibs are a team who, you know, they could make the necessary signings in January if need be. They should have the finances to be able to do that if things aren't going too well. Uh, and I would tip them, to, you know, to make the top six. I think this is where I had Ross County just kind of. I agree with you to play loads of few goals, but I think they've probably improved their defence, so it'll be like they'll, they'll lose some goals, but they'll also lose the amount they concede. I back Malcolm B. Mackay to just over to like overplay how much they like and over what's the word? Overachieve, there we go. That's what that's the term I'm looking for. So I have Ross County in sixth. I have Hibbs in fifth. Uh I think that their League Cup run is bad, but they haven't had all their new signings yet. They haven't didn't mention Eli Ewing, who they got along from St. Gall, and I think there's a chance he could be a star in this league this year. Uh so I have Hibs fifth minutes. So a lot of that's just budget related as well. Just they are probably up there in terms of budget and how much they spend. And I just kind of have to. I just fail back on that. Who's in fifth for you? Fifth, I've got Dundee United. Right. Um, I feel like they're. I feel like some of the signings they've made are a wee bit more encouraging. Um, you know, obviously keeping Dan Levitt is a very good one. I'm excited to see how Craig Sibble gets there. I think if he stays fit that he can have a solid season for them. And I think, you know, with Stephen Fletcher, I think they will have a wee bit of more of an attacking impetus. I think he'll help them get further up the park. And I think, you know, under Jack Ross, you know, they'll still be quite hard to beat. I think that is something, um, you know, that a lot of teams will be wishing to have, you know, that kind of a solid defence. And I think that'll be there uh, again. Uh, I think what they've brought in a goalkeeper as well from, is it Australia? Is it Birgitte? Um yes. I think, you know, obviously big big gloves to fill with Seagrass leaving. Um, but, you know, I guess time will tell to see uh, if he's a quality keeper or not. But, yeah, I'm, I'm tipping down to have another decent enough season uh, in the top half. And fourth and third, I believe, are both aligned. Aberdeen fourth and Hearts third. Yeah, right? spot on. Yeah, Aber- mm-hmm. Aberdeen, I feel like, kind of have the most potential to leave egg in our face. Cut Broadfoot style. They end up like ninth in the league. <laughs> Hearts third seems like the safest bet in the league to be honest with you. I don't know if you Yeah, 100%. You look at some of the signs they've made as well. European football may be an issue, but you would imagine if they get put out of that after Christmas, you know, they'd be able to make that the right changes that they can secure third place again. And then top two, you have Celtic second. You have Celtic first, I have Rangers first. And we've already kind of discussed that. So... Not too bad those tables, twelve to one. Some differences. Not it's nice that we aren't fully aligned, but there is kind of like a theme between the two of us of what kind of tier teams will be in. Uh, with that, I think we'll wrap up for the for this episode. Very excited for the new season to kick off on Saturday at the Tony McIlroy with Livingston and Rangers. I'm sure me and Angus will have a discussion about that after the game, unless they win, in which I'm not talking to them. <laughs> Thank you. To well, can we just say what a way to start the season off on Sky Sports? Apparently, it's the first Scottish Premiership game that's going to be uh, an ultra HD in that as well, um, or like in the new, the new variation, the new quality aspect that you know Sky are programming. How tremendous is it? It's going to be at Tony McIlroy Arena with the most anti-football performance of the season. <laughs> You really sold the game to the masses. <laughs> Make sure to follow us on at Energy Sport. We're hoping to. It's a bit quiet at the moment because Uni's not in session, but we hope to pick up the work very soon. Make sure you follow Angus and myself. Kind of find us somehow. Just search our names. Thank you to Angus for joining me. Thank you to everybody for listening. We'll hopefully get back on a podcast schedule very soon. We'll see you later. <laughs>